This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Patterson Program, where you'll learn how to improve your health from the inside out. And now, your host, Clint Patterson. Thanks for joining us today on the Patterson Podcast. We've got Katie on this episode. How are you, Katie? I'm great, Clint. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, I'm really excited to chat with you today. We've got a lot of sort of communication between us in the past on our online forum. And given that you've done so well, I wanted to invite you on and share your story so many more people can hear what you've been able to achieve. So what we might do is... uh, get you to summarize your situation now and compare it to your situation before you made a lot of the the changes we're going to talk about and tell us how far you've come before we get into the nitty gritty of your story and so on. Right. Well, first of all, I just wanted to thank you for having me on. I've listened to so many of these podcasts throughout the last year and a half and they've always given me inspiration to keep going. So I hope I can provide some inspiration for others today as well. Where I'm at right now is a really good space. I'm almost off all medication. I just have one more pill of methotrexate to decrease probably this week or next week. And uh, yeah, then I'll be medication free and pain free for the first time in 11 years. So yeah, to summarize pretty quickly, I've had inflammatory arthritis either undifferentiated or ankylosing spondylitis, depends on the doctor and the time where my symptoms are assessed. But basically, I've had that for 11 years. And it was only the last three years where I really started looking into alternatives to the medication route. And um, yeah, I found your program about a year and a half ago. I've been doing that for about a year. And I've had really good success. And I'm almost off all meds and pain-free. That's just sensational. Thank you for that. And it must feel really good to actually say that. I mean, 11 years is a long time. You and I must have got diagnosed around about the same time because I'm around the sort of the 10 to 11 year mark. So um, obviously got a lot of questions for you, but uh, why only three years ago before we hear about your story? Why wait, you know, why wait eight years before looking at making some lifestyle changes? Or, you know, I'm just curious. Yeah, that's a great question. The main reason was because it's really not talked about in Canada at all. Um, I've had a really hard time finding people who are using diet to heal, and it just wasn't even something I even considered because the doctors, I asked frequently throughout the last eight years and 10 years, like, are there any dietary recommendations that you can suggest? And the answer was always no, there's no evidence. So I was busy with other things in school, and I just really didn't have time to look into it, and I didn't know anything about it. It wasn't even part of my world, or the knowledge just wasn't available. So I think I was just in the dark until a few years ago um, when I went to um, a naturopathic doctor, and she told me for the first time that it's really possible to heal and using diet, and I was, I was shocked. I hadn't heard of that before. I knew... You could manage symptoms with diet, but I didn't know it was completely reversible. So that was a big shock to me. So I think it took a really long time to change my idea of healing with the body. 
Mm. Yeah, I had a similar experience. I mean, I heard all the same things about there being no link. I, I mean, I was told directly there is absolutely no link between diet and rheumatoid arthritis or inflammatory arthritis. And it therefore takes, you know, you're already sort of mentally backwards when you go and start looking into it because the authorities who've worked in the business their whole life are telling you that there's no link. And so you feel almost sheepish going in onto Google and saying, hey, maybe, you know, this expert's with his career and, and plaques on the wall is, is actually wrong. But, I mean, I, I do believe they are. I, I, believe, I believe they're wrong. And uh, I think every time I, I hear another story like, like your own and, uh, and all the other people we've had on the, on the episodes and all the people who don't come on the episodes but share their story through other means, I mean, I'm absolutely convinced that this is a, a lifestyle disease that I, I see rheumatoid or inflammatory arthritis as an absolutely severe digestive disorder, like as almost as bad as you can get and the symptoms therefore equally and, uh, you know, at the same level of, of severity as the gut problem. So let's go right back, wind back uh, 11 years and, and what happened, because I want to know how you managed the condition for those first eight before you started changing your lifestyle habits, what drugs you're on, all that sort of stuff. So let's go back to the start. Yeah, 11 years ago, I started uh, with pain in my toes randomly. It would move to different toes and eventually spread throughout my feet and then my wrists. And that was over about a, a three-month period. So it was kind of gradual, and I really had no idea what was going on. The first drug I was put on was Celebrex, and that did help to stop the pain and inflammation a bit, but not enough to keep me from waking up every night and having to ice all of my joints just to sleep a bit. Mm. Can I stop you there? The reason being is because you touched upon a couple of things, and I wanted to get your feeling. Celebrex is marketed as a non-steroidal drug that does not have the same negative impact on the gut, as in, you know, causing uh, gastric ulcers and uh, maybe leaky gut, although the people they're marketing to don't understand what that is. What's your feeling on Celebrex? Do you think, I mean, I've got my opinion, I'll share as well. What are your thoughts? Um, Well, I'm actually taking a one-year holistic nutrition program right now, so I'm learning a bit more about the NSAID family and the different drugs that are used. And since it's a COX inhibitor, I feel that it's definitely doing damage to the gut in some way. I don't really know all of the details, but um, ever since I was diagnosed with arthritis, I've had digestive issues throughout the entire throughout the entire past decade, and um, none of the drugs ever made me feel great digestive-wise. Yeah, I think that's the uh, same, uh, same thoughts that I have on it. I never took Celebrex, uh, but I took another non-steroidal drug. And in the three weeks, like I, I did like you, got diagnosed and for the first little while while you sit around and wait for the rheumatologist, you, uh, you kind of think, well, I'll take, try and take something. And the first thing over the counter I took was some, um, actually some Voltaren. And um, this particular drug I took and the very next day I felt like amazing and I thought, wow, like, and I was so dumb. I thought all I need to do is just take these things every day and I'll never have problems again, right? Anyway... I, I had to take more and more over a short three-week period. And in that three-week period, by the end of the three weeks, I was having to take two or three times the dose to get the same results or I'm, I like actually take more per day. And then I thought, I wonder what would happen if I stopped taking these, like how much pain is behind these pills? And um, I didn't take any that night and the next day I woke up 
And I mean, I was, I want to say at least twice as bad, my rheumatoid after the two week, after the three weeks, as uh, probably three times as bad as what I was before I started taking the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. And I never, ever have taken one again. And I was irreparably bad from that point on. Like I couldn't get back to where I was before that, before those three weeks. So it rapidly deteriorated my, my symptoms. So thank you for, for sharing about Celebrex. Okay, so what happened after that? Uh, a lot of different drugs in between, sulfasalazine, um, cortisone injections, and it was about a year before I finally gave in to taking methotrexate. Um, I had heard about all the side effects, and I really wanted to avoid it. I was only 19 at the time. So I had my whole life ahead of me. I didn't really want to go on a drug that was so toxic, but the pain at that point was really debilitating and I, I wanted to get back into exercising and feeling normal again. So mm-hmm. I gave in and uh, that took about a few months to kick in. Um, but once it did, it uh, basically completely eliminated most of my pain and allowed me to stay pain-free for the next eight years. Wow. Well, that's great, isn't it? Again, same as myself. I was on the, the methotrexate. Now, a lot of the, the research that uh, Richard Matthews has just, just done alongside myself on the, um, the, the gut dangers of all of the different medications that we've posted inside the forum recently in the resources section, that interestingly shows that methotrexate does have an impact on leaky gut and it does cause intestinal permeability. However, and I think the subtlety lies in the dosage size. I think the dosage size that we take when we have rheumatoid arthritis, whether it be sort of anywhere from sort of 10 to 25 milligram uh, per week, I think that the dosage size, it makes it far less detrimental on the gut than what the studies sort of tend to indicate in that research. And so I think that Although methotrexate has a lot of negative potential side effects, of course, not all of them manifest in everyone. I do think that it's, uh, you know, it's used by 97% of people with inflammatory arthritis for a reason, right? Because it obviously can get results. And I have a sort of a love-hate relationship with it, but I hate other drugs more. I hate other drugs more. And there's not really much love, I should really add, except that it helped me through very bad times. Yeah, for sure. For me, too. Um, The biggest struggle for me has always been the nausea and the indigestion with it. I will take it every Monday night. And when I was on my higher doses, basically by Wednesday, I would just be extremely nauseous. I felt like I was hungover and would take about at least a day to recover from that. So that was 48 hours after you took it. So you take it Monday and Wednesday you were in a bad way. Yes. Okay. Now, when you say nausea, would you ever vomit from it? No, I would never vomit. I would just feel really terrible. It would be hard to get up and get going, really exhausted, a lot of fatigue, Mm. Uh, hard to eat, and not wanting to eat really healthy foods. I was always craving greasy foods or something to try to settle my stomach. Uh, Right. So that you could get rid of the nausea. Yeah, 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 I see. Like when you hung over back in the day, yeah, and you wake up and you go and want to eat some horrible food. It's weird how we do that. I used to do that. With the methotrexate, when I took the methotrexate, I actually never 
became aware of a periodic or a cycle of um, nausea or, or additional fatigue, I felt bad the whole time. I was just constantly in this absolute zombie world of it's like the world's going on around me and my eyes are just glazed over with fatigue and and just nothing. Like I was just dehumanised from the drug. Yeah, it was, it was only when I came off it that I realised that I was still under there, you know, like, hey, my gosh, like I can, I can like sense life again. It's weird. I mean, I guess... That's chemotherapy, isn't it, for you? I mean, it is a chemo drug. It's it's killing cells, right, at a at a subtle level. Okay, so tell us about when you started to um, chat to this holistic doctor or naturopath, and um, what initial things did you try? Well, my partner actually took me to his childhood naturopath, and uh, she took a look at me, and she was like okay, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to have children if you continue on this path and your liver is in a really bad state right now. But she said, it's going to take a couple of years, but it's possible to start reversing this. So basically I started on a whole foods diet, eliminated dairy, gluten, um, all alcohol, all caffeine, all red meat. I was still eating a bit of chicken and fish and eggs. So I was on that for about a year and a half. And it was helping me feel better, um, but I still wasn't able to reduce the methotrexate as much as I wanted. I was able to reduce one or two pills, but that was about as far as I could go. So then I started researching other alternative diets, and I came across your podcast one day. And I remember just going through about four or five podcasts that day, and then the next day buying the book, reading it in one night, and I was sold. I was like, this makes a lot of sense because I was having a lot of trouble with the anti-inflammatory diets. I felt like there wasn't enough control. I couldn't really figure out which foods were causing problems and which weren't. So when I read your elimination protocol, it felt like I would have a lot more control and power over the foods and figuring out which ones would cause the most pain. So I was still in school at that time. I was finishing up a PhD, so I was really stressed. And uh, I decided to wait a few months until I'd finished before fully implementing your program. But I did go vegan and I did eliminate most oil at that point. So I was following it pretty much, just hadn't started from the baseline yet. So uh, about a week after I graduated, I started the program full force. And uh, that's been almost a year now. And I, it took about a few months and then I was able to decrease the medication pretty steadily every couple of months watching my uh, inflammatory markers and they were pretty steady the whole time and uh, I felt great. So I just kept reducing and then I had the control during that time to figure out uh, which foods were, were causing pain and which weren't. Yeah, that's awesome. You're like a textbook example of what can be done. So that's just, you know, it's thrilling for me to hear that, that as well, you know, recalling that, you know, the, the, the lack of control that you feel when you've got, uh, you know, uh, autoimmune disease like this, you can feel completely helpless. And so to have that control and that you've talked about and to see that sort of roll out over a period of time in a predictable manner, that's, you know, that's what we all we all dream of. So a couple of questions come to mind and I'm going to say them all up front so I remember them all. The first one was, 
Did you feel improvements just by eliminating the oils and most of the, uh, or all of the meat products before you began? Second of all, how did your rheumatologist respond as you were starting to, uh, you know, reduce medications? And, you know, I'm curious to see if they were like every other doctor and just says, look, just keep doing what you're doing and not ask any questions. And then, well, that'll do for now. Let's just do those two for now. So did you improve just by getting ready for the program? And and then we'll talk about your rheumatologist. Yeah, once I cut out the oils and all meat products, I felt I was able to decrease the methotrexate a little bit quicker, but I still was unsure how to go from there and unsure if I decreased, if the pain was going to be from the decrease or from still some foods I hadn't quite figured out uh, were causing inflammation. So I felt better prepared to start it and I felt that my body went through a good transition period. It wasn't too shocking to begin the program. So it definitely set me up for a good place to start. And rheumatologists, yeah, I've been to quite a few throughout the past decade and uh, none of them have ever suggested diet was the way to go. And uh, my rheumatologist right now, I would say that she she's definitely skeptical. She doesn't really believe uh, that what I'm doing is, um, is scientifically proven. But the way I feel is if I waited for science to catch up, uh, I would be waiting my whole life for a double-blind dietary study on uh, plant-based nutrition. So I feel like on my own experiment, she's She's good with helping me decrease and um, watching my inflammatory markers. But other than that, I just uh, go to her for my prescription and uh, just for the okay to go ahead and decrease. Um, but she's definitely not my support system. Does she have any kind of curiosity? I mean, because it's my guess that unless one of her other patients or clients or whatever you want to call it is doing our program, then she's probably never seen anything like this before in her career. That, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, is there any kind of curiosity? I mean, if, if put it this way, if I was treating people every day and they're coming in in absolute agony, some of them suicidal and some of them basically saying, look, I will do anything in my power to try and get rid of this disease. It really is living hell on earth. Like life's hardly worth living. It's that bad. And this happens day after day after day for 10 years. And then someone comes in and says, uh, you know, uh, I'm doing this, that and the other. And then month after month, they get better and better and better. I would probably want to find out what they were doing. Yeah, I have the same feeling. And I've been so excited along the way of the dietary program. And I even brought her in the hard copies of the medical journals, which discuss vegan or vegetarian diets and fasting and the links to RA. And um, I left those with her, but uh, she never seemed to have the same enthusiasm that I did. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because she sees so many patients that say, you know, I've tried diet, which means they've tried going gluten-free or dairy-free and nothing's worked because they don't go as extreme as they need to go. And nobody realizes how extreme you really need to stick with this in order to heal. So I think she's seeing a lot of people come in and just saying, oh, it didn't work for me. And so she's really skeptical because she hasn't had someone completely reverse their symptoms and get off their medication before. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Just talking about this recently. It's such a minefield to try and get everything right for the body to heal that so few people find that extremely narrow path through the mountain that, you know, the doctors just don't see these happen very often. So, yeah, understandable. 
Okay. So now where are you at right now with regard, you, you mentioned a, like a pill left or something. I mean, normally I think in terms of milligrams per week. So I used to talk in terms of, you know, 25 milligram a week, whatever. So I'm not quite understanding, uh, you know, number of pills, but can you convert for me or can you tell us how many pills you started with and how many pills are left or whatever system you like? Yeah, I'm only on 2.5 milligrams a week right now. So that's uh, one pill here. So I started on uh, eight pills at my highest dose throughout the past decade. And yeah, I've been steadily decreasing uh, 2.5 milligrams every two to three months, depending on where my pain is at that time and how I'm feeling. So yeah, I've been on 2.5 milligrams for the past uh, six weeks right now. And I'm feeling really great pain-wise, no flaring, still able to introduce new foods uh, without too many issues. And so, yeah, I'm really considering this Monday uh, will probably be the last dose that I take. Yes, and we talked about offline in preparation for this interview whether or not we should wait until you're off that last uh, (laughs) fill altogether. But uh, with my travel commitments and your travel commitments, we thought, no, 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 let's just, let's make this happen now. Let's not uh, sort of delay this because... uh, you know, it was going to be another two or three weeks before we could actually make this happen. Now, let's talk about any hurdles that you had to overcome, things that some, this is for the benefit of, of our audience, um, things that you may have found challenging that wasn't sort of obvious uh, to you when you were about to begin, or things that you had to do in addition, or things that you had to emphasize besides the materials that are available. Um, I think the biggest problem for me throughout this past past three years and the program as well has been the isolation socially, not being able to go out for dinner, not being able to go out for drinks with friends. That really took about a, a good year and a half to um, fully wrap my head around and to be to normalize my new situation and my new lifestyle. Now I'm. I'm pretty happy with my life and uh, my partner and my family are really supportive as well. So it's become a lot easier. But the initial year, year and a half, when I was first making dietary changes was pretty difficult because our society is really structured around a completely different um, eating plan, I I guess we could say. (laughs) And uh, it was really hard to... um, to get out socially, but now I really focus on outdoor activities, um, spending time with my family and, and friends have really come come around to the idea of my lifestyle. And I actually just recently started um, a plant-based snack company with a business partner so that we could bring um, affordable, healthy plant-based snacks to our community as well. And so that's been really fun. But yeah, other hurdles along the way, iron has been a really huge issue for me. Um, I've had low iron pretty much most of my life, but it's been really hard to stabilize that. It keeps going up and down, even with supplementing. So that's still something I'm working towards. Also, the coffee enemas were a huge part of uh, my program for the last year. The lack of fat for me, I think, has been a problem with bile release. So now that I'm introducing more fats, more sprouted nuts and seeds, that's starting to stabilize a bit. But that's been a huge um, hurdle as well. Sorry, just clarify um, on that last point. Why do you think the low fat, what negative impact do you think the low fat had? Uh, I think it wasn't triggering enough bile release. So causing constipation. That oh, constipation. Right. Okay. Okay. Interesting. 
Yeah, it's not a consistent feedback that we get. Most people find that with all the plant fiber, I mean, it's literally 100% plants, right? So with all that fiber, most people find that three, sometimes four a day is uh, is common. So that's interesting that, that you've had that uh, experience. But um, yeah, it sounds like you, you know, starting to resolve with a little bit uh, of the more sort of uh, advanced foods, right? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Let's talk about iron and enemas because that's really interesting. Um, another one of our forum members just recently said she's had troubles with low iron for years and years and years. And she's one thing, you know, of course, I, I it sounds it sounds so simple to that it's kind of a joke, but, you know, Popeye and his whole like eat so much spinach and he gets some fat. But the iron in the spinach, because we've got this whole issue with like anemia of chronic disease versus just, you know, iron deficiency anemia. And there's a whole training around that, that that goes beyond this conversation. But if you've got very low inflammation levels, and I recall, you know, in preparation for this, your C-reactive protein is like less than 0.5. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, it's so low. Your, your CRP is lower than the average person on the street who's never been diagnosed with, with any inflammatory arthritis. Okay. So it's very unlikely that you have anemia of chronic disease or the iron component of that. And anyway, so this this other member who you may not have uh, have seen her post, but she's just basically just been doing three weeks of really intense green smoothies using using baby spinach, and iron requires vitamin C for absorption. So you know, I like to put you know some orange juice in with the with the smoothies. And so she's, you know, managed to, you know, resolve some very long time, long term, low iron levels that way. Now you've probably already explored this, I'm sure, right? Yes, I have. <laughs> yes, right. And when you said when you said it fluctuates, is it mostly low or is it sometimes too high? No, it's never been too high. Right. It's always been below the um, minimum requirement to feel pretty normal. And this has been way back, like a decade. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. Well, we can talk about a little bit more of that offline and, and see if we can, you know, I'll have a further think about that as well. And then the enemas. Now, this is this is something, you know, most people think is, is crazy. But um, <laughs> when when you're in the worst pain that, you know, a human could ever endure on a daily basis, I think, you know, nothing's crazy to try and get rid of crazy pain. So I used to do these coffee enemas as well. And after a while, I just found the whole putting the coffee into the enema a little bit cumbersome. And so I used to just use water in the end. And I, I just got just sick of tired of adding another thing to my day, you know, with the coffee. But they were a great way for me to go to bed at night, feeling empty and waking up guaranteed with less morning stiffness. So, yeah, tell us more about your experience. You don't have to go into all the gory details, but just <laughs> was... Um, but well, if you don't mind, just share with listeners what's involved in, in a basic sense and why did you do it? Uh, well, I started doing it because of the intense constipation. Um, as soon as I started, even before I started the program, I was having, and I went vegan, I was having problems with constipation. But because of the high fiber, the high water intake, I was really confused as to what was going on. Yeah. Now that I'm adding the fats back in more, I, I kind of understand the connection. But I was pretty desperate at that point. I had tried everything I could think of. I had done uh, castor oil liver packs, and that helped a little bit, but not enough. And so um, I think I reached out to you at one point, and you suggested coffee enemas as a possible solution. 
So I went online, did a little bit of research, found a great YouTube video of how to do it, <laughs> and uh, picked up my little kit. It was yeah. pretty inexpensive, just 10 bucks for the little kit, and then uh, the coffee. And I experimented with different types of coffee, and um, basically it does add another hour of preparation to my day, because like you said, I have to do the water one as well. So I do the water enema first and then I do my coffee enema I just prepare it at night so it takes about just a half hour to prepare at night and then it's ready to go in the morning it's pretty simple to do and uh, I do mine in the morning because I find if I do it at night it causes a bit of bloating and I feel a bit too energetic to go to bed yeah so um, the mornings work really well for me and then I feel great for the rest of the day yeah that is uh, that's really cool I never tried one in the morning my mornings were so rough. I used to struggle just to get out of bed. So I think that was one of the things as well. By the end of the, by the end of my day with my, the experience I had, I had more mobility and I was able to get down onto the bathroom floor first thing in the morning. You know, I think with my particular condition, yeah, you know, I don't even recall trying to do it in the morning. I think, as you know, sometimes you just wake up and it's just a struggle to to, to do anything. So that's really interesting. I'm glad that's, uh, that's been powerful. Sometimes I get people saying to me, maybe once a month, someone will say, Hey, I tried your program. It doesn't work. And the first thing I think, well, which of the major three pain reduction things are you not doing? Normally they're not exercising, right? People just think that exercise is an optional thing. Absolutely not. I mean, the only time it's not optional is if you're you're improving at like a freight train rate. Okay, then you don't really need to exercise because it's so clear how much you're improving. Or they aren't doing the most basic format of the program, like they're out just trying to reintroduce high, more challenging foods within weeks of starting. Or they're constipated. And to get rid of the constipation, sometimes we have to take things to a whole new level and clear out the the colon entirely, which gives us tremendous pain relief as well. And the other way that people uh, make mistakes, well, just to complete that little paragraph, is uh, they lower meds too quick. They start and they they, they stop taking all of their medications because they think, I'm going to be cured in like a month. And, and, and they stop all their drugs and then they're like, this isn't working. And I'm like, okay. So it's only ever one of those, one of those four things. So, okay. So you were deploying all of them. What about exercise before we kind of bring this to a close? Did you have to do a lot? No, I actually didn't have to do that much. And actually exercise has always been a challenge because of the low iron. Whenever I've tried hot yoga or exercising pretty intensely, I get really bad headaches, which can last for days. Even if I don't get enough sleep during the week, the headaches begin. So for me, it's been a challenge of balancing my energy level and being able to exercise uh, while still keeping my pain low. So for me, the best type of exercise I found is just biking. So now I bike about um, an hour per day, about four times a week. And it has the bonus of helping me get to where I need to go while also getting my exercise in and being something that doesn't really impact my joints. Because in the past few years, I've had SI joint involvement as well. So that's been really difficult to get out and run. I used to run all the time, but I had to stop that a few years ago. So biking for me has really been um, the best way to get my exercise in uh, without feeling too much fatigue, but still getting my joints moving. Yeah, that's awesome. I love how you say, oh, I haven't done much exercise, but you do an hour of biking four days a week. 
all right? Because <laughs> because I drill into everyone that it needs to be like so extreme, like you have to be exercising like an hour, two hours a day sometimes. So it is funny that uh, that we've gotten to the point where an hour a day of, of biking is, is low and because that's the reality when we're really heavily inflamed, we have to get everything uh, perfect and we need to uh, exercise like we're training for some kind of Olympic event coming up down the track, even if that means that we can only raise a shoulder because we're so debilitated, but then we need to raise our shoulder as much as we can and then one day we'll be able to move our neck and so on. But we need to be pretending or scheduling for uh, our uh, most highest physical ability in the future. So that that's great. So you you were, but um but it was also tied in with uh, with lifestyle and and um getting from A to B, which is which is really nice. No problems with your wrists, right? Because sometimes people grab the handlebars too too much and the jolt through the road goes into their wrists or hands. No no problems with that for you? No, my wrist only flares a little bit if uh, I eat something that I wasn't uh ready for. Yeah. Great. So it's just, my wrist is just a uh, the wrist pain is just a signal for me that it wasn't time for that food yet. Yeah. Okay. Fabulous. Are you finding that your sensitivities to foods is becoming less like an alarm and more just like, more just like a sort of a, a softer notification? Yeah, for sure. Definitely throughout um, the past few months, I've been able to add in a lot more foods, a lot more nuts and seeds and, uh, I get a tiny bit of pain just as a warning signal once in a while, but nothing as extreme as it was uh, about a year ago. Hmm. And how much control do you feel over the situation now? So, you know, if you feel that something not quite right, do you have a feeling like you're pulling the strings now and you have a strategy to get back on track? Yeah, for sure. I think the biggest thing is I don't panic anymore if uh, a bit of pain sets in. Before, I, I thought that the pain was a signal that I wasn't healing, I wasn't going to get better. But now it's just kind of a gentle warning signal that, okay, you weren't ready to eat this food yet. Just wait a few months and try it again. So now it's more of a tool than uh, a panic signal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think that reflects what's going on inside us because when it's just like a cheesecloth and everything's just floating into our bloodstream and we're reacting to so many foods, we react so quickly to foods and the pain is intense and immediate. But I, I asked that question of you because this is what's common of, uh, you know, the healing process is that you get to a point where it's, it's more of a sort of a, a, just a little sort of tap on the shoulder as opposed to a punch in the face. It's the body is way less hypersensitive than what it used to be. So that's an exciting sort of indicator of success. Yeah, it's very exciting because I remember about six months ago I tried to increase avocado and uh, the warning sign for that was a lot stronger than it uh, was the second time around for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, well, I think that wraps up most of what we wanted to cover. What uh, would there be anything else that you'd like to sh- to share to to listeners who are th- who are thinking about doing this, who or who are doing this? Any other sort of perhaps more mindset stuff? You know, is there anything any way of thinking about this that you've adopted that's been helpful? I think the biggest thing at 
is that it doesn't matter how long you've had the disease. For me, having it for over a decade, it was still possible to heal. So I think that's really important to know. But also, because I've had it for so long, it's also taken a really long time to reverse the symptoms. So I think patience has been um, the biggest thing for me to learn and uh, to go really slow with the medication decrease. I didn't rush it. I wanted to make sure I was on the right path and that I wouldn't have to increase my meds again at some point. So just taking it really slow day by day and just knowing that your body does have the ability to heal. It's just going to take a long time, just as it took a long time to get to the stage where your immune system started attacking itself. So reversing that whole process really takes a lot of time, but it's definitely possible no matter what your rheumatologist says. Wonderful. That's uh, some very, very uh, good advice there. And finally, what about your support network with your family? You've, you've mentioned them twice so far. My wife was my rock and everything that I went through, she witnessed and supported me through. How important has it been to have your partner and your family give you the support and the sort of comfort that you sort of need to get through this? It's been probably the most important part throughout the whole journey is um, because when you go out into the world, people don't believe you and you start to feel like you're kind of crazy at some point. So (laughs) making sure that your family believes you and supports you throughout the whole process has been huge. From the first naturopathic visit up till today, um, my partner basically eats the same thing that I eat at home. He loves the, uh, the miso soup and, uh, basically all the new recipes we tried together. And um, my sister now has started eating pretty similar and has reduced her high cholesterol that she's had for several years down to normal range. And uh, my parents as well have been really supportive the whole way. Yeah, that's, uh, that's lovely. I love hearing the, I love hearing the, the knock-on effects that, that uh, you're able to, to uh, create by going through something like this. People are fascinated when someone takes it upon themselves to do something so radical. It's quite a a fascinating thing. And then uh, for them to also delve in a little bit, in some cases a lot, like your partner, and then also feel better and to see changes. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's really nice to see that knock-on effect. And now that you've got your plant-based snack bars, that's really exciting as well. What's the name of your snack bars? My company is called Joy Fuel, all one word. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at, at Joy Fuel Snacks. So yeah, that's been really fun with my business partner and just reaching out to the community and, and getting feedback on that there's not a lot of healthy snack options out there, but slowly it's starting to change. Yeah, well, looks like you're going to play a big role in that, which is really, really cool. Yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, knowing what I know now, I, I can't go back to a, a different life. I need to keep getting the message out there that healing is possible. And you're moving into a holistic nutrition career. Is that true? And if so, is there a way in the future that people might be able to reach out to you for consultations and I guess help because we just do not have enough people who have this kind of knowledge and certainly a professional education as well to be able to help them. So is it a little premature to ask about that? 
Well, I don't have a website or anything set up yet, <laughs> um, but I can update along the way and uh, people can follow me at, on Instagram, um, Katie LeBlanc. And uh, yeah, I'm halfway through uh, a one-year program in holistic nutrition. And the end goal is to definitely do consultations and to really help people throughout their journeys of uh, figuring out how the best way for their body to heal. Awesome. Well, what we'll do is once, obviously we're recording this podcast uh, today is the 19th of May, 2017. Some people will come to this podcast series a uh, long time in the future and be listening to this ahead of the ahead of time. Um, by then you might already have your accreditation. We, and what we'll do is when you have that, we'll put the details of how to contact you at the bottom of the show notes. So we'll update the show notes so that in the future, uh, at some point, um, the information of how to contact you like that will be will be accompanying this episode on our website. Awesome, that sounds great. Well, Katie, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to uh, to chat with you and and hear all this in a in one sort of summarized version. It's been wonderful working with you uh, online prior to this as well, and uh, I can't wait to to hear about you getting off this last little pill and having a, a drug free and pain free life. Well, thanks so much, Clint, for having me on. Um, it's been a real pleasure, and uh, I really appreciate all the work you've put into helping people heal all around the world and uh, for your continued support. Thank you so much, Katie. We'll talk soon. Bye. You've been listening to the Pattison Program. For more information, visit pattisonprogram.com.